0: This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Josh Dumel and Audra Mari. Congratulations, you two. This is an exciting time for you, and it's an exciting time for North Dakota. Josh Dumel and Audra Mari, together at last. Hello again to the Ear Buddies Army, as you may have uh, sussed out already, as you may have predicted from hearing my lonesome voice at the beginning of this, today it's just Matt once again. Don't be concerned, Tim is still fine, we heard him last week, Uh, everything is going well, but the the demands of fatherhood, especially new fatherhood... um, are just, it's crazy out there. Um, and and so I offered, kindly, to take over this episode once more uh, and, and fly with my own two wings. I still love Tim. He will be back. But, hey, he's hanging out with his kid. Can we begrudge him that? Yes, we can, but we won't. Because today, today, folks... A very exciting episode, one that I hope will be very enlightening and, and thrilling for all of you, um, because I know for me, this is, well, I'll admit it, it's another one of my favorite subjects when talking about music. Uh, am I allowed to indulge myself again? Of course I am. I make the rules. When Tim's not here, uh, when Tim's here, we make the rules together. But I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to do another episode that's me talking about what I want to talk about. Um, What we're talking about today is essentially, let's call it the history of modern pop music. Let's call it that. Um, And what that is going to entail is, of course, a little bit of fun history to see where we got to where we are today and um, focusing on a, a couple key players in the in that timeline and in that culture who have shaped and formed the music that you are listening to today and the music that, frankly, you've been listening to for about 30 years. Um, wow, were we ever so young? Um, but I think it'll be a good one. I'm excited to to once again strike out on my own, and I think it's very important as well. Uh, it's indulgent, yes, but it's also very important because we've uh, we've been giving you a lot of a lot of. Topics, a lot of stuff to talk about and think about in the world of music for the last forty eps. This is our forty-first, um, and and it's important, I think, to get even more context and and to lay a further foundation for. Um, well, I guess to give some support to all, all the stuff we've we've learned over the last. Well, it's almost been a year, hasn't it? Um, but. Let's dip our toes in. Let's jump in the way back machine and go to 1992 in Stockholm, Sweden. So here we are. It's 1992. We are in Sweden and we are at a place called Sharon Studios. This uh, was a building somewhere in Stockholm, and uh, it is arguably the most important structure in uh, modern pop music, and I'll tell you why. Sharon Studios was started by a Swedish gentleman named Dennis Pop. Not his real name, but it is important that I tell you that it's Dennis with a Z instead of an S, and the second P in the word pop is capitalized. I don't know why, but that's Dennis for you. And Dennis uh, was, well, he had been working as a remixer and a sort of a uh, doing these bootleg copies of, of remixes of these popular dance songs for a while. And then he started to realize that uh, he was good at writing and producing original music, original pop songs. And so he thought, why don't I just open a studio and just do that for real instead of uh instead of taking other people's things and remaking them why don't why don't i just make my own stuff a noble idea certainly and it went very very well now dennis believed that he could do this that he could produce and write um, original pop music for well what I would say is a very good reason. We all know the Swedish pop group Ace of Bass, and we all know their famous single, All That You Want. This song started out uh, as a demo, well, as most songs do, uh, and it was sent to Dennis Pop while he was still working as a remixer, and apparently the tape got stuck in the in the tape deck of his car, and it was the only thing he could listen to. So he just listened to it over and over, um, and ultimately decided to give it a shot and produce this song. And this song became "All That She Wants." It ended up rocketing Dennis and Ace of Bass to some real uh, some real fame first in Sweden and then internationally and so with that in mind and with that success behind him he thought why don't I start share on studios so we have Dennis and I suppose Ace of Bass to thank for launching this this project this studio Uh, but there's another fellow who I want to introduce because we're going to be spending a good amount of time talking about him. His name is Max Martin. And if you're, if you're a real pophead like myself, you already know that name and you, your ears have perked up a little bit hearing that name. Uh, he was originally the singer of some glam metal band in Sweden called it's alive. And he and his band went into the studio, met Dennis, worked on whatever, uh, I'm sure it did okay, but the band, you know, wasn't wasn't crazy popular in the way that Ace of Bass would become. But Max Martin, uh, after having met Dennis, Dennis realized that this kid, this guy had some real chops, definitely some chops indeed, when it came to writing catchy songs. So rather than continue playing shows with It's Alive, Max decided... To take Dennis up on his offer of joining the studio as a writer and producer. And thank God he did. Ooh, yeah. For those of worried. us who were alive and more or less conscious and forming memories in the 90s Uh, Max Martin was the soundtrack to our childhood and he also has been the soundtrack to our adolescence our young adulthood and now our honest to god adulthood Max Martin more or less created pop music that's a bold statement, but I'm a bold guy, and I'm willing to back that up. Did Max create, uh, I guess, the overarching concept of pop music? No. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not stupid. I know that that isn't actually what happened. But from the early '90s to present day, essentially everything that we have heard and are hearing, and will, I'm sure, for a while hear, in mainstream pop music was, well, a lot of it was written and produced by Max Martin, and if not, it was pretty directly influenced by his work. Before I dive too deep into the Max Martin factor here, I do want to note that there were and are many other producers uh, and writers who were involved with Sharon Studios uh, like Christian London, uh, Andreas Carlson, uh, Dennis Pop himself, of course. Um, but so Dennis ended up uh, dying of stomach cancer in uh, 1998. And that sort of halted the, uh, well, the, the rise of the studio itself. However, at this point, Max and the other producers and writers um, were already doing very well. Because we all remember the 90s, right? What was happening in the 90s that really lit up our world like the 4th of July? I'll remind you. Britney Spears Sync, and the Backstreet Boys. So what does Max Martin and, and what do the Swedes have to do with these three unbelievably popular unbelievably famous 90s acts. What? Why do I why do I mention them in the same sentence? You fool. Of course there's a reason I would mention them in the same sentence. I know where I'm going with this. So just be patient here, okay? They have everything to do with each other. Did you know that Max Martin co-wrote and produced, I Want It That Way, Larger Than Life, Baby One More Time, and Oops, I Did It Again. Isn't that just crazy? We thought, we all thought back then that you had to choose between The Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And for some of us, Britney and and Christina, right? Guess who else wrote songs for Christina? That's right, Max Martin. So the fact that you are asking me what they have to do with each other is insulting, honestly. And I wish that you would just be patient and let me continue uh, educating you about this because once you know this, you will be insufferable at these parties that I know you're going to. We're all going to them. So of course, if you are the creative force behind the three, maybe four biggest pop acts in the nation, I'm gonna say the world, why not, I'm probably right, in the 90s, if you have those credentials, you are going to get a lot more work. And, and the work, the scope of Max Martin's work is uh, mind-boggling. I'm going to just list a few of the songs uh, in sort of as much uh, of chronological order as I can. I don't want you to have to look these up on Wikipedia or elsewhere. Uh, I don't trust you to do that work yourself, so I'm just going to tell you which songs, uh, just a handful of the many, many songs that he wrote and produced. So, obviously, 90s were phenomenal for Max. And then he... uh, had a hand in it's my life by bon jovi that was a hit and then it's y2k everything's fine that nothing the computers don't collapse or anything the economy holds up everything's okay once we realize that uh early 2000s we've got songs by american idol winner kelly clarkson do you all remember uh And then we got some more. We got "Dynamite" by Tayo Cruz. Max did that. DJ got us "Fallen in Love." Mm, yeah, Max did that as well. And then he even did some more kind of fun stuff for these one-offs, uh, or I guess not one-offs. That's mean. People who perhaps have faded a bit from cultural memory, such as uh, Ashley Parker Angel. He did. He wrote, uh, co-wrote "Let You Go" for Ashley Parker Angel. And also, uh, feels like tonight for Daughtry. And And then time moves on. We're all growing up. We're all having crushes. We're all going to these school dances. Uh, We're adapting our fashion to the times. We're fighting with our parents, hormones, the whole, the whole thing. And Max is still—he's still writing. So, uh, our, our episode about the pop queen trifecta, we've got Katie, Kesha, and Lady Gaga, right? Uh, so Max wrote tons of stuff for all of them. Uh, his fingerprints are all over, I guess, well, Katie's, mm, teenage dream that was largely him. Uh, a lot of stuff that Kesha did for her debut album, um, and- Another another person to to remember here is Pink. Do you guys remember Pink? She mostly is like a an acrobat now, I believe. But if you remember, if you can if you can come back with me here, she also is writing or releasing rather a bunch of just banger after banger. Uh and Max, well, he co-wrote and produced uh You in Your Hand, Who Knew? Uh and then for later on, I think it was 2008 so what please don't leave me uh he he and pink even wrote uh what do you want from me for adam lambert he was just going nuts right he wrote uh he wrote with avril what the hell remember that song And if he had stopped there, I mean, that would, that would be quite a career, right? Forming the hearts and minds and, and tastes of the youth of the world as they grow and learn and develop their tastes. But Max did not stop there because now we are reaching the 2010s. And I don't know about you guys, but I was having a good time in the 2010s. Um, We were all young, uh, discovering more and more about the world and how it works and how it goes around. And a young woman by the name of Taylor Swift, if you remember her from earlier episodes, um, she was working on her album, called 1989 and wouldn't you know it she got old max on board now max had first collaborated with taylor on we are never ever getting back together from her album red and i guess he had such a good time that he came back and worked with her uh, and and co-wrote and produced basically all of 1989 And then he ends up doing the same thing uh, with Reputation, her follow-up album. And now we're in the middle of the 2010s, and he's working with Ariana Grande. He's co-writing Break Free. He's producing Bang Bang, that one with uh, Nicki and Jessie J. Um, And then, again, keeps going uh, in 2018 and 2019 with... No Tears Left to Cry, God as a Woman, those singles. And then he's writing with The Weeknd. He did, uh, well, a number of non, non-singles, but uh, Can't Feel My Face. And then he did Blinding Lights. And then he worked with Coldplay, who you may remember from yet another earlier episode, on their latest one. And just a bunch of other people. Uh, Selena Gomez, uh, Demi Lovato... Um I don't care he wrote that with uh Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber. Uh he also can't stop the feeling Justin Timberlake from Trolls. That's Max. So I have given you an extensive rundown of Max Martin's work. Perhaps too extensive, but that's not for me to say. And Frankly, that's not for you to say either, okay? I don't want to hear it. Let's take a moment, just to breathe, and together, let's all just let that sink in and realize that Max Martin shaped who we are today as people. Because really, I mean, folks, doesn't that, doesn't that blow your mind a little bit? It ought to. It is crazy that essentially, I mean, one guy, let's say one guy, of course he had his co-writers and his collaborators, and I hope to mention them before too long, but this guy was driving the pop music train for at least 30 years, and guess what, folks? He's still at it. He's still working. Uh, He's still... Uh, doing a lot of stuff with a lot of major, major artists. And these are songs that he's writing and producing that will become hits. Because that is his job. That is what he does. Max Martin writes hits. So, let's talk briefly about, not why, we know, I mean, we know why people are writing music. But let's talk about how. How is it that, this guy is the one who is uh, who is writing all these hits because this is it's a little bit twofold because of course we have to get into the moneyed interests of labels and advertising and corporate America and um, things such as that because if if uh, the suits really want a song to do well. It often will do well, even if it's not a great song, because they just sort of force it down your throat, and repetition makes us like things more. So, even if it's not the best song in the world, we're probably going to get into it. But um, let's let's do our best to leave that aside, just just for now. I know I know that it, it's something we can't get off our minds—all these moneyed interests. But the songs, I would argue are, by and large, very good. They're very catchy. They're very poppy. They're very hooky. Uh, They get stuck in your head. And it is uh, wild to me that one person has such a role in, in creating things like that, in creating those melodies and those beats and those progressions. And all cards on the table, guys... I don't know exactly how. Right, I don't know exactly what his uh methodology is, but I, I can offer a little bit of a little bit of a peek behind the curtain because of all the extensive research I have done. Firstly, and this does make me feel good because as you all know, we don't uh we don't really talk about lyrics so much on this pod. It is more in fact about the tunes. And to give some insight, one of the founding members of Ace of Bass gave an interview uh, to a newspaper 10-plus years ago, in which he said, and I quote, For Sweden, melody is number one and has always been. While the Americans, it's the lyrics first, production second and melody last. I'm not saying the lyrics are not important, but for Swedes, for whom English is our second language, We just try to make it understood by a world audience. Because of this focus on lyrics, some of the American songs are complicated and can sometimes be not much fun, while for us we always try to reach to as many people as we can so we have feel-good melodies and simple lyrics so everyone can have fun. End of quote. How marvelous. How wonderful that they... I mean they understand the Swedes here understand pop music to be just about that hook and about having a good time um which for some maybe a reductivist understanding of pop music but I think that's as good of a a goal as any with pop music because I do think it's also true that with American uh music um if you think about I don't know the twenties, thirties, forties, Tin Pan Alley stuff, Brill Building stuff, professional songwriters, teams of people like Rodgers and Hammerstein, and uh, I don't know Lennon McCartney. Why not? Uh, there's a lot of focus on lyricism there. There's a lot of focus on cleverness and and turns of phrase, and that is fun and important, um, but I would argue that it's not as important in a pop song as the gall dang melody as the the tune right it's all about the tunes and the swedes understand that and it's, it's it becomes a little bit funny when you listen to the lyrics of one of these swedish pop tunes uh, because they're not they don't always quite ring true or make sense lyrically and it's because uh, the lyrics don't really m- matter, right? Or at least not nearly as much as the, the melody. Uh, for example, um, Break Free, Ariana sings, I only want to die alive, never by the hands of a broken heart. I don't want to hear you lie tonight now that I've become who I really are. Is that what she's saying? kind? Maybe, right? It sounds like it rhymes. Uh, I only want to die alive. Well, that just doesn't make sense. But it rhymes, well, it slant rhymes with, I don't want to hear you lie tonight. And so we can see that never by the hands of a broken heart, which also doesn't make sense. Uh, now that I've become who I really are, why not? Right? It doesn't mean anything really. But it it makes sense in your head. It makes sense to listen to, if not necessarily to parse and try and understand. And uh, you can complain, um, but that man, that's that's pop music right there. And a very a very interesting concept that I want to make sure we all know about is something that well Max didn't necessarily invent it, but he did uh, put a name to it. He calls it melodic math. And essentially, this concept means that the melody has to be um, precise the entire way through. Uh, in a way, for for example, um, if uh, longtime listeners will remember our Julia Michaels episode, um, where we talked quite a bit about how she phrases things however she wants and and doesn't really adhere to strict meter or phrasing or uh, stressing of syllables Uh, that is not how the swedes write the swedes and again in particular max martin and his his ilk his protégés they if you have eight syllables in the first stanza you had better have eight in the next one or the one that that matches it um with the rhyme at the end right that is the only real um concern when when the swedes are writing and it works so well it works so well because there's no it's just a clean a beautiful polished gem of a tune Um, and as long as you can get past the lyrics which if it's pop music i feel like we all can then you're brain doesn't um it doesn't try to dissect these lines and these words for deeper meaning really it just understands intuitively that uh this makes sense that everything matches that the math such as it is adds up and the melody is clean and tight and singable and catchy and that's what they're after Interestingly, uh, this was maybe not a huge story for people who aren't pop heads. But when Lord uh, came out with Green Light, uh, she told a story that Max had listened to it and said, "Look, this this isn't." Right, this is this could be a good song, but it's not correct because the melodic math doesn't add up. And this part that you have as a pre chorus, that should be the chorus, that's the part that's catchier. And Lord, to her credit, said, Hey, buddy, it's a new generation, uh, I'm just gonna do it my way. And Max said, Cool, I don't have a, a dog in the fight, go nuts. And of course, Green Light, big hit for Lord, great tune, but we, we can we can tell, um that it it doesn't really adhere to the pretty strict laws of songwriting as outlined by the Swedish pop writers. And so there are other ways to write songs. There are as many ways to write songs as there are songwriters. But it is not uh, Look, I'm going to I'm going to take out my Soapbox used to be filled with soap. Now I use it, I turn it over and I stand on top of it when I want to say something that I feel is important. Here we go. Writing songs, writing melodies is not just about um, how you feel, how you feel inside, right? There is a craft to it, there is an art to it. And there, I mean, the reason th- these max and um and the swedes they i gotta tell you guys they have figured it out they've clearly figured it out and which means that there is something to be figured out there right and and so even if it's not possible to actually uh i guess catch that lightning in a bottle and lay it on a lab table and put pins in it and cut it open and figure out exactly how it works because there is a lot of magic to it, right? The Swedes, um, and and now, these days, everyone who takes their cue from the Swedes, which is sort of everybody writing hits, they understand that there are ways to do things, and the rules can be broken, but there are rules that make sense. Music is math. Okay, gonna step off my soapbox, calm down a bit, but... Isn't that, just, isn't that just great? I mean, who knew? Well, I did. But did you guys know that for the past 30 years, it's been because of Max and because of the Swedes and because of, well, because of their publicly subsidized after-school music programs that America doesn't have? Yeah, if you guys thought we were going to get all the way through this without me making some sort of anti-American comment... If you thought I couldn't turn this episode into something that was sort of critical of the way the United States does things, uh, you thought wrong. How dare you? Come on, I'm i I'm like John McCain. I'm like a, I'm a maverick in that way. But I'll calm down. Um, I think it's great. I think that the way that Max and His pals, who actually I should mention, some of his uh, his pals, his proteges include Shellback, who is another Swede who's helped uh, with 1989 as well as uh, I mean dozens of other big deal uh, projects, and uh, Savan Kotecha, who is not Swedish, who's American, in fact, which is proof that Americans can do stuff. Um, But he's written um, co-written a lot with Max and wrote, I mean. Most of the One Direction songs, uh, a lot of Ariana uh, collabs, things like that. So I guess to really wind down for real, um, I just think if you care about music, if you care about pop music, uh, it's absolutely worth your time to pay attention, not only to the larger trends, because now we all know about this Swedish takeover and we're um, enthralled and we're going to talk about it with our friends. I know I will. Uh, but to pay attention to like the credits and, and who's doing what, who's writing, who's producing, because it really is these writers and these producers, they're the ones who are making this, right? And, and not to take anything away from the artist or the, the performer, right? But, I mean, uh, I hate to be the one to tell you, as always, but Britney Spears had nothing to do with with uh, Baby One More Time. That was originally pitched for TLC, and they were on hi- hiatus, so they, they didn't snap it up. But Britney did. She didn't write it. She had nothing to do with it other than performing it well. But if it was a worse song, well, it wouldn't have mattered as much uh, culturally. Like, think about, would Britney have launched like that um, with just some, some sort of middling, typical non-Swedish pop song? Like, that helped create her Right, and even uh, without the cultural impact, it just would have been a song that we didn't like as much. So, I guess I just want to say thanks to Max and to his friends, to Dennis, to all the Swedes, to all these these behind the scenes puppet masters who have created what we now understand pop music to be. I tip my cap to them and I tip my cap to the Ear Buddies Army for always coming along on these journeys and for learning and growing. I thank you and Ear Buddies will be back in just a moment. I feel my face when I'm with you but I love it This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you proudly and with great affection by Josh Dumel and Audra Mari. Boy, I bet you can sense how excited I am to be, to be reading this ad. Folks, I am just beside myself with glee over this news. Our, our good friend and, and patron... Josh Dumel is engaged. Oh, feels good to say. Just this past weekend, just a few days ago, Josh popped the question to his girlfriend, Audra Mari. Uh, and she, well, she said yes. And now they're engaged. That's, from all I can tell, that's how it goes. That's how you get engaged. Uh, and this is exciting, of course, because we love Josh. Don't we, folks? Don't we love Josh and his handsome face and his down-home, down-to-earth attitude and his work and his craft and his artistry? We do. We love it. Uh, But this is a lot more exciting than than a simple marriage to... (sighs) Fergie. I'll, I'll say it. It's more exciting than his marriage to Fergie. And you may be wondering... Why would you say that? Why would Matt, our good friend, who we listen to every week, every Monday, why would he say such a crazy thing like it's more exciting for Josh to be engaged to this Audra person who most of us haven't heard of? How is that more exciting than being engaged or being married to and having a child with one of the perhaps the most important member of the Black Eyed Peas? Good question, good question, folks. Here's why Josh is from my hometown of Minot, North Dakota, a railroad town. James J. Hill put a railroad through there, as did a fellow named Eric Ramstead. They were railroad barons, tycoons in the industry, and they they made Minot what it is today, which is still a uh, a rough-and-tumble, semi-Canadian, freezing-cold town where uh, people live, laugh, and love, and learn, and play. And it's all because of railroads. But Audra, Audra, who was a, a fresh-faced 28, I'll mention, she's from a town in North Dakota as well. And uh, the town she's from is called Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. Some of you may have heard of it. A lot of you listening, I'm sure, have been to Fargo. Maybe some are even from Fargo or have family and friends there. Uh, But I'm not talking about the Fargo from the famed Coen Brothers movie of the same name or the series based on the, the movie of the same name. I'm talking about the real Fargo. Fargo is different from Minot. It's not as it's not as rough. It's a little more posh. It's a little more refined. It's a little bit closer to a big city by the name of Minneapolis and also St. Paul. So just that that proximity uh, gives it a, a sheen. A sheen that Minot, scruffy little Minot, just doesn't have. Fargo's not a railroad town. No, Fargo is a a coffee town. Fargo is a a town with art and culture and uh, different viewpoints and and not everyone is a Republican and and things can get a little a little crazy a little fun there in a way that Minot I mean Minot does have some nice bars and and uh, there's some new restaurants popping up but Minot will never be Fargo unless. <laughs> We're all familiar, I'm sure, with the marriage of the young Marie Antoinette to uh Louis the 16th, the future king of France. That um it was an arranged marriage and it was because Marie Antoinette was Austrian and Austria was uh an enemy of France, which is where Louis uh was going was going to be king. And to ease the tensions and to form an alliance and a bond between these two nations uh these two youngsters were wed um the long and short of it is it didn't work out because of the french revolution but uh whose fault is that i mean come on they they're young it's not come on but my point is with this impending marriage this wedding I can't think of anything more exciting that has happened in the history of North Dakota, except for maybe the railroads, or maybe Josh himself moving to Hollywood back in the day, or maybe when Carson Wentz uh, got signed to the Eagles. But can you imagine Minot and Fargo, two households both alike in dignity, finally standing hand in hand together as one bridged by the love between josh and audra i am i am quivering thinking about what this means and and i know we all know josh and we may all be a little bit anxious a little nervous because well audra's so young i mean audra's our age you guys she's our age uh, and Josh is well. He's not our age, not anymore. He used to be, but no longer. Um, and Audra, like we ask ourselves, we see this news, and and we want to be happy. We want to be excited for for Josh and for Audra. But who who is Audra? Why don't I let her? tell you in her own words.
1: Where do you call home? My home is considered the happiest state in the country and the number one producer of sunflowers. Welcome to Fargo, North Dakota. I was born and raised right here in Fargo, and I'm blessed to have the family that I do. My childhood was filled with laughter, love, and a sense of community. I grew up playing ice hockey, soccer, and volleyball. Sports were my life. After graduating high school, I studied public relations and communications at North Dakota State University. Ultimately, I decided to follow my childhood dream and move to Miami to pursue a career in modeling and hosting. I've spent the last two years traveling the country as a television presenter and a professional model. I'm a firm believer that one of the most incredible ways to learn is by adventure and travel. Being the current Miss World America, I'm able to carry out my passion for children, have the chance to create change, to be a voice for causes near and dear to my heart. And to share compassion with those who are in need.
0: So that's Audra. She is from Fargo. And she... Well, she, I mean, you can't see this, but you can kind of tell from her voice that she's beautiful. She's, a, she's stunning. And uh, she won the Miss World... Uh, contest? Comp- pageant? She won that. So she was Miss World America, which is a huge achievement. And, uh, hey, a lot better than most of us from North Dakota have done. So let's, let's have no more discussion on who Audra is. Let's not be asking about her pedigree or her bona fides or, per, you know, any, anything like that. I don't want to argue about this. I want us to come together... I want to tap into that sense of community that we just heard is so important to Audra and support this beautiful couple, uh, both because of their obvious love, the love they share, and because, once again, the the trade routes and the (laughs) economy and the potential new railroads that it will open between Minot and Fargo. I mean, that is something that you just you just can't buy. It's got to come from a love like the love that Josh and Audra so clearly share. And so to Josh and Audra, I would like to say thank you both for sponsoring this week's episode i hope you have both listened and i hope you have both enjoyed it Um, and as always thanks for the money i hope that you both get so much more as you continue your journey in love and um economy boosting for the next hundred years josh dumel and audra mari together forever amen welcome back to ear buddies this is still matt um excited to join tim next week and talk about a different thing but still me just me thank you for listening uh, I've had a wonderful time chatting about all the things I've chatted about, and I'd like to leave you with a little show-and-tell. This is a song um, by the Swedish band It's Alive. And if you've been listening, if you've been paying attention, you know that this band was Max Martin's band. And this is uh, what got him launched uh, with Dennis and Sharon Studios. Um, it was an al- from an album called... Uh, Earthquake Visions, hmm, uh, that they recorded with Dennis. And uh, the song is called Pretend I'm God. And I'm just going to let this episode be played out by this tune. Uh, and I want you to note a couple a couple things in this song. It's... Uh, it's not the best song in the world i don't think max would even would even say that but you can hear in the chorus in particular there's a lot there right there's a lot of melodic math there's a lot it's pretty catchy for what it is you can hear the beginnings of what would become a globe-spanning career for our friend max and uh yeah i guess that's all i got enjoy my show and tell and i will speak to you next week same time same place never miss a monday and uh yeah i uh yeah yeah so yeah i guess that's uh yeah that's all i wanted to say talk to you later